Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take with, the adventure us. With, us. with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome everyone to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and we are going to be doing Classical Studies 101, The Odyssey. Thank you all for listening as always, and if you'd be so kind as to leave a lovely rating or some nice message on whatever podcast platform you're using to listen to this, it would help us a lot. We'd really appreciate it. It'd help us get the word out. And now, without further ado, let us welcome our guide for that odyssey, the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Oh, thank you. Great to be back. So, Gary, so we're going to be doing Chapter 16 today. So, can you give us a little bit of um, background on 15 and then set up things for 16? <clears throat> well, as uh, I always say, um, I'm basically using... Uh, uh, Robert Fagel's 1996 translation of the Odyssey, which I find very uh, readable. And uh, he has titles for every chapter. And the chapter title he had for chapter 15 was uh, uh, The Prince Set Sail, meaning uh, the son of Odysseus, Telemachus. And so it's, it's about him finally returning home to uh, Ithaca, the home island of Odysseus. Chapter 16, his title is Father and Son. So what it's basically about is the reunion of Odysseus and Telemachus after 20 years. Okay, so let's dive in. Okay. Um, so it starts off here. Uh, as dawn came into the lodge, the lodge is the uh, dwelling of Eumaeus, the loyal swineherd or pig, pig farmer of Odysseus. Uh, I find that fact a little bit humorous, by the way, uh, because he's like a major figure in the Odyssey, and he's a pig farmer, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's, it's it is uh, you know he does show you all the ranges of uh, society. At least you know Homer gives you the yeah. the sense of what everyone was like in that era, or say, yeah. every class or group was like in that era. Yeah, exactly. As dawn came into the lodge, the king and loyal swineherd, meaning Eumaeus, uh, set out breakfast. Once they had raked the fire up and got the herdsmen off with droves of pigs, and now Telemachus, the howling dogs went nuzzling up around him, not a growl as he approached. From inside, from inside, Odysseus noticed the packs, meaning the dog packs, quite welcome, and noticed the light tread of uh, footsteps too, and turned to Emmaus quickly with a and winged a word. You know, I, li I like Homer's phrases. Winged a word. Isn't that nice? It is beautiful, yeah. <clears throat> and he says, Eumaeus, 
Here comes a friend of yours, I'd say. Someone you know, at least. The dog's not barking, but they're fawning around him. I can hear his footfall. And then he, Homer goes on, the words were still on his lips when his own son stood in the doorway. The swineherd started up amazed. He dropped the bowls, uh, bowls of food probably with a clatter. He'd been, uh, well, he had wine in him, excuse me. He'd been mixing uh, ruddy wine. Straight to the prince, he rushed and kissed his face and kissed his shining eyes. So this chapter has a lot of uh, emotion in it, if not the most emotion of any chapter. And uh, it really humanizes the Odyssey, and I, I think it's just remarkable. Mm-hmm. So here the pig farmer is kissing the, the prince, and um, and then tears are rolling down his cheeks. That, that's how much he loves the prince. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it's it's. I think often about this the the way we interact with with monarchy, our own sense of either any kind of leadership. Obviously, as we record this, uh, Queen Elizabeth II has passed, and watching the outpouring and the connection people feel to royalty. I mean, we as Americans have a very different uh, relationship with that because our nation was formed out of a desire to detach from that. But nevertheless, the world we live in cultures that we've been around have a deep feel a deep connection to their to their monarchy to the royalty so it's interesting for me as an american to read and to um, look at how people respond to their their royals so homer says that uh, eumaeus like a father brimming with love welcome home his darling only son in a warm embrace you know he wasn't his son, but he embraced him and shed tears as if he were his son. And, and Homer says, home now in the 10th year from far abroad. <clears throat> well, actually, it's been 20 years. So the loyal swineherd hugged the beaming prince. And then Eumaeus uh, goes on to say, your home, Telemachus, sweet light of my eyes. I never thought I'd see you again. Dear boy, come in. Let me look at you, look at my heart's content under my own roof. And then Telemachus replied, Dear old man, it's all for you that I have come to see for myself and learn the news what her mother still holds out in the halls. Or has some other man married her at last? In Odysseus's bed, I suppose, is lying empty, blanketed now with filthy cobwebs. And um, surely, uh, Eumaeus responds, she's still waiting there in your halls, poor woman, suffering so, her life in endless hardship, wasting away the nights, weeping away the days. And so uh, Telemachus, uh, I mean, Eumaeus just takes the bronze spear that uh, Telemachus is holding, uh, and they went in the lodge. And as they went inside, Odysseus rose, to yield his seat, but, you know, he's disguised as an old beggar man, so, you know, he can't be recognized, you know. Not that uh, Telemachus would recognize him anyway, because he's never really seen him. Uh, just, just 
went to war when Telemachus was just barely a baby and he never really has seen his father, you know? Right, right. For 20 years. And, um, but um, Telemachus being a, a, a good person uh, tells Odysseus to stay put, you know, doesn't have to do anything special for him, which I think is great. And um, and then Eumaeus sets before him uh, things to eat, platters of roast meat and bread and, and baskets, and he serves them wine and so on, you know. And then Telemachus asks uh, Eumaeus, uh, old friend, where does this stranger come from? And why is he here on Ithaca? And then Eumaeus goes on to repeat, you know, Odysseus's lie about where he came from, if you remember, we related that last time. Right. Yeah. You that know, he's brought to the island by Phoenicians and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, and um, so anyhow, um, uh, and you may ask if uh, Telemachus can take the uh, stranger, meaning Odysseus, into his uh, palace. Mm-hmm. And Telemachus doesn't know he's his father yet. And he says, Telemachus replied, that word of yours, it cuts me to the quick. How can I lend the stranger refuge in my house? And uh, Meaning so, he's, he has, how can he do it? Meaning he's worried about doing it, yes. given the circumstances. And, and we talk about... Uh, is it Zenia? I think you said it was the uh, the the custom of of welcoming strangers. Yes, Zenia. Okay, so Zenia. So he has that part of his culture, but now he's also. I think it's what he's saying. Cut me to the quick. He's worried about. Well, how can I fulfill this cultural obligation while I've got these killers in my house? Exactly, as he goes on to say that. You know, uh, he says, I'll give him a shirt and cloak to wear. You know, this is uh, Telemachus. <clears throat> Good clothing. And I'll give him a two-edged sword and sandals for his feet. Uh, or if you'd rather, keep him here at your farmstead, you know. But I can't let him go down and join the suitors. They're far too abusive. Reckless. They know no limits. They'll make a mockery of him. They would break my heart. Uh it, He says, it's hard for a man to win his way against a mob, you know, and they are a mob. Yeah, and that's an interesting, when I look at situations like this, we all think about this when we see action films or even just political situations where you're dealing with the mob. You know, the mob has its own energy and its own mindset and move things. And it's, you know, one person trying to stand against them, particularly if it's an unruly mob, it's a mob that wants something untoward then, you know, it's a, it's a tough deal, right? Well, you've been, we've been hearing a lot about the mob the last two years, you know, with the, the attack on the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and also, I've been thinking today, I'm kind of likening uh, the suitors because they've taken over the palace, essentially the kingdom of Odysseus, and are kind of like Putin invading the Ukraine. That's, yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. It's it's a they're a, an invading force, so to speak, you know. Yeah, or like many invading forces throughout history, absolutely. You know, they've taken over, they've occupied a space not theirs. 
Yeah. And Eumaeus is saying that, you know, we're as young as you, meaning Telemachus, he's basically saying that, uh, you know, I'd like to march right into just his royal halls and kill them all, meaning the suitors, you know. And he says these, these suitors are terrible. They've been dragging serving women throughout the noble house, you know, the numbers raping them and so on, exploiting them all, no shame, you know. And, um, but then Eumaeus wants to hear Telemachus' story. And so Telemachus says, okay, I'll tell you the whole story. And, um, and then as part of his story, he says, Zeus made our line of, of only sons. Arcesius had only one son, Laertes, and Laertes had only one son, Odysseus. And I am Odysseus's only son. So now our house is plagued by a swarm of enemies. All the noblemen who rule the islands round about, Dilichion, Same, and Wudida, Zakynthos, and those that dwell in rocky Ithaca as well. They court my mother and they lay waste to my house. So he tells Eumaeus, go, old friend, to wise Penelope, his mother, you know, and tell her I'm home from Pelos, Pilos, safe and sound. So, Gary, does so Odysseus has only one child, not only one son. Just to, just so I'm clear. Yeah. Does he, he has no daughters. He had only no. one child. Okay. No, just just one son. And it sounds like he was an only child as well, Odysseus. Yes. Yes. That's interesting. Very interesting. Okay. And um, so, anyhow, Eumaeus uh, gets ready to go, and he grasp his sandals and put them on and um, and then um, you know Athena appears and she urges him uh, I mean she appears to Telemachus okay and Athena urges him on she says royal son of Laertes Odysseus now is the time now tell your son the truth. Hold nothing back. Oh, no, she's talking to Odysseus. I'm sorry. Right, right. He's going to reveal So himself. the two of you, she says, uh, now's the time to tell your son the truth. Hold nothing back. So the two of you can plot the suitor's doom and set up for the time. And she said, I won't lag behind you. I'm blazing for battle. So Athena strokes him with a golden wand. And uh, so she turns them back into handsome Odysseus. And then his, his own son is wonderstruck when he sees him, you know. And, and, and so Telemachus says to him, you, you must be some sort of a god. You're a new man, not what I saw before. And Odysseus responds, no, I am not a god. Uh, why confuse me with someone who never dies? No, I, I am your father. And I wept for you all my days, and so on. And with those words, Odysseus kissed his son, and his tears streamed down his cheeks and wet the ground. I, th I think that's really great. It is. It's a very tender scene. And uh, 
So in other words, they have the, their reunion after 20 years. And 20 is two times the sacred number 10. You know, it's part of a sacred symbolic number system, I, I believe. It's it, And also, it's like you said earlier, I mean, he never has really seen his father. So uh, it's, it's yeah. a reunion and also a new meeting of sorts. I mean, he's getting to meet his son really for the first time. And it's just, it's quite a reunion, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and he's telling her, she, Athena makes me look as she likes now, like a beggar next moment, a young man, you know, and then the dishes sat down and Telemachus threw his arms around his great father, sobbing uncontrollably as a deep desire for tears welled up in both, you know, it's very emotional. And so um, uh, the son wants to know what happened, and just just responds, surely, my son, I'll tell you the whole story, how the fishings brought me here, and so on. So he tells him that, you know, how how he finally, finally made it home, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then he says, with Athena's inspiration spurred me here, too, so we can now plan the slaughter of our foes. Come. Give me the full tally of these suitors. I must know their numbers, gauge their strength. So uh, Telemachus responds, uh, these suitors are not just 10 or 20, they are far more. From Delikion, 52. From Same, 24. From Zacinthus, 20. Nobles all, and 12 Lords from Ithaca. No, there was a nobleman from Ithaca. Again, he had the number twelve. You know, his own, his own, his own people, right? But get this: when you add up all those suitors, they they equal one hundred eight, which is the product of the sacred number twelve times the sacred number nine. Yeah, that's a that's a number that comes up in spiritual. Um, literature and, and spiritual uh, movements throughout the world. It's really interesting that 108 is, it sounds to our ears a little uncommon, but it's not that uncommon. So, anyway. and I think that's why Homer is precise as 108. You know, it's not 105 mm-hmm. or 109 or something, it's 108. Right. It's involving the sacred symbolic number system. Yeah, it's involved with spiritual lore uh, in many, many places. Okay. So anyhow, um, he wants to, you know, Telemachus to go on, and he says, the swineherd, you mean, you may as well lead me into the city later, looking old and broken, a beggar once again. And they're looking, you know, towards the day of doom. So, um, they're preparing for the return is basically what it is, you know. Uh, he says, let no one hear that Odysseus has come home. So he doesn't want anybody to know that he has returned home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, of course, uh, Telemachus uh, agrees to that, you know. Um, but anyhow, um, Telemachus, you may have reached the house and uh, and the herald they have a, a herald announcer you know 
And he says, your beloved queen, uh, son, my queen, is home at last. And then Eumaeus, though, bending close to Penelope, whispered every word that her dear son entrusted him to say, and so on. But uh, he didn't tell her about Odysseus yet. But the news that Telemachus's return, Homer says, but the news shook the suitors, dashed their spirits. They crowded out past the high wall court. And there before the gates, they, they sat in council. And they're upset because they, they send assassins to assassinate uh, Telemachus, if mm-hmm. you remember. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they go to this meeting grounds, which is outside apparently the uh, the palace. And Antinous, he's the lead, you know, like the dominant uh, suitor, suitor leader, so to speak rose and harangued them all. He said, what a blow. See how the gods have saved this boy from bloody death. So here at home, we'll have to plot his certain death. He must never slip through our hands again. So he still wants to kill uh, Telemachus, you know? Right, that's his, he believes that's his best chance, one of his, that helps his chances at being with Penelope, exactly. Just having the power, says he, the power, I should say, too. He wants to kill, quote, the clever little schemer, meaning uh, Telemachus and so on. And, of course, his father, Telemachus' father, is called clever as well. Yeah. And it um, says, uh, now inspiration took discreet Penelope to face the suitors, the brutal, reckless men. Uh, she heard it all, how they plotted to uh, to kill her son. And flanked by her ladies, she descended to the hall. So it's interesting that her quarters were upstairs where the bedroom of Odysseus and Penelope was downstairs, and apparently she never slept in it again after Odysseus left. Um, and then she uh, confronts Antinous and cried out against him. You and Tenoa's violent, vicious, scheming. You, they say, are the best man your age in Ithaca, best for eloquence, counsel. You're nothing of the sort. You're a madman. Why do you weave destruction for Telemachus, showing no pity for those who need it, those over whom Almighty Zeus stands guard? It's wrong and holy, yes. Weaving death for those who deserve your, your mercy. And... Um, Pretty, it's pretty strong words. Yes. And uh, and then another one of the suitors kind of sticks up for Telemic, uh, for uh, Penelope. His name is uh, Polybus. And he says, why is Penelope daughter of Icarus uh, courage and so on? Uh, we, we will not lift a hand against your son Telemachus and so on. And then the queen goes up to her lofty room uh, fell to weeping for Odysseus, her beloved husband, till watchful Athena sealed her eyes with welcome sleep. Returning just at dusk to Odysseus and his men, the loyal swineherd, you know, Eumaeus, found that they had killed a yearling pig and they were fixing supper. But Athena had approached uh, Laertes' son Odysseus, tapped him with her wand and made him old again. She dressed him in filthy rags, too. Uh, 
And uh, so Telemachus was the first to greet the swineherd. Welcome home, my friend. What's the talk in town? Are the swaggering suitors back from the ambush yet? Are they still waiting to catch me home? And so on. Uh, and uh, Eumaeus just uh, it relates to him what went on, you know. And uh, at the end of it, it says, At that, the young prince Telemachus smiled, glancing toward his father, avoiding Eumaeus's eyes, because Telemachus now knows Odysseus, even though he's disguised, that he is Odysseus, you know. And, uh, and now, with the roasting done, the meal set out, they ate well. And no one's hunger lacked a proper share of supper. When they put aside desire for food and drink, they remembered bed and took the gift of sleep. And that's how the chapter ends. So we're setting the stage. Really, Odysseus, again, his wiles, planning how he's going to rid the suitors, get his revenge. Yes. So the, so the stage is set. Well, it's great. We're almost there. This has been uh, a fantastic, I, I love this story. I love this epic. Uh, everybody, all the listeners out there, a round of applause for Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you, Gary. Well, thank you. Thank you all for listening. This has been the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. This is Classical Studies 101. We've been following the Odyssey. God bless. Mm-hmm.